At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up, everybody? We are back with another episode of Comeback Stories. So today's guest has taught millions of people around the world to heal their hearts, plant powerful intentions, and manifest the life of their dreams. He's a globally recognized mind, body, health, and wellness expert, mindful performance trainer, meditation teacher, and author. He is by far the most prolific creator of guided meditations in the world. His more than 1,000 guided meditations are available on Insight Timer, Daily Ohm, Apple Music, Amazon, Hay House, Spotify, Tidal, and more. So his life today is all about serving, meditating, and teaching people to connect to the innermost aspect of themselves. David G., welcome to the podcast, my brother. Hey. Hi. <laughs> it's great hey. to have you here. It's so great to see you guys. First of all, happy belated birthday. Darren, thank you, man. Um, and congrats on uh, five years of sobriety. Thank you, sir. Um, look what these five years has given you. No um, and Donnie, my brother, so you are such a shining light. I am so grateful to to have you as a friend, and uh, you're you're transforming the world. So Amen thank that. you so much. Big shout out to to uh, to Buddy and Cody. Oh, <laughs> well. the Frenchies! Thank you, man um yeah i really appreciate you i think it's this is one of the the interviews i've been looking forward to the most um your words of wisdom the way that you speak your storytelling and most importantly for me i think like most of us when we start meditation a meditation practice most of us struggle we just don't dive in and like figure it out and think we're master meditators right away and you know i really credit you to giving me, making meditation accessible to me with your words and just the way that you um, can kind of storytell and just make it accessible to anybody, so like someone like me that was really struggling with it. So thank you. I'm profoundly grateful for uh, your words of wisdom and how you guide and lead. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, we're diving in. So we want to know, what was growing up for you like? 
first i just want to announce i am wearing a little silver and black here let's get it (laughs) (laughs) heavy meta (laughs) you're listening his shirt says heavy meta m-e-t-t-a um i'm sorry what was uh what was growing up yeah what was growing up for you like I'm from Queens, uh, Queens, New York. Um, as you come out of the womb, the, uh, the doctor whispers into your ear. All right, here's how it works. Effort and focus, not working more effort, still not working more focus. And, um, it was a pretty wild time. Um, a lot of, a lot of yelling in my household, whoever yelled the loudest actually was heard. Um, I was not the best yeller. So often not heard. And, um, you know, pretty much, uh, growing up was this experiment where, you know, my mom was like kooky and an artist and my father was a, um, disciplinarian, um, great athlete, shortstop. Um, and that was pretty much my life growing up in a red brick apartment and building and, um, you know, just, just trying to get along. Uh, I left there after a while, began my, my journey out. I've had a, a bunch of different journeys, uh, but growing up, my mom, uh, pretty much always told me to just keep, when you fall down, just get back up. Don't worry about it. Dust yourself off, get back up. You're on a journey. It's not the destination. It's the journey. Embrace it and, um, and lead with your heart. And so, um, she died when I was relatively young but I carry that inside me um, right now to this day. And my dad, who I was estranged from for quite a while, um, he and I are best friends now, and I talk to him every day. So uh, it's funny how things go when you think, oh, no, that's it. That's how it's going to be forever. Relationships, if we want them to, we can lean harder into them and, uh, and make them unfold more like we'd like them to. When you look back into your younger years, can you think of like a, an early memory of pain that really sticks with you or stuck with you? Um, yeah, I had a, uh, you know, I had a, uh, a grandfather who liked to, uh, to beat me when, for whatever reason, um, you know, taking off his belt and beating me. And so, um, you know, I don't know that that stuck with me, the sting of, of that uh, for just random beatings, but I definitely uh, really embraced at a certain point in my life that I, won't, I will not be defined by other people, whatever they do to me. And so that just gave me just a little bit of, I don't know, just a little bit of strength to like, no matter what happens. And then when my mother died, I was like, what possibly could happen that's this bad and that has been you know a continuous role for me to allow me to like whatever's going on I've, I've been there you know so um those are those are probably two fairly inspiring intimate aspects of my life i feel like you are one of the master teachers out there but who was one of your first uh real teachers growing up You know, probably very, very early um, in my in my awareness, um, 
there was a friend of mine uh, whose uh, who, whose parents were uh, killed in a, in a in a car crash, and you know we just like came from home from school one day and that was that, and so you know he was like so inspired you know how he handled that and and what he did with his life um, going forward. He's a pretty successful guy um, right now, um, but he. He was very, very vulnerable. And at an early age, he really shared with me, like, it's okay. It's okay to be, to be vulnerable. You know, you can, that can happen and it doesn't make you weaker. Uh, in your vulnerability, rest your strength. So that was pretty early on. That was like in my, you know, early teens. Um, but I've had a lot of you know, you know, probably, you know, Jimi Hendrix, just like, you know, on my wall that inspired me to start playing guitar. Um, and a certain, you know, certain period, I was like, you know, I'm never going to even approximate that. So let me stop. But I was always inspired um, um, by musical stars, Sly and the Family Stone, um, Isley Brothers, Hendrix. Those are like the, my foundational musical. And whenever I would play that music, it would just transport me to other, other realms, like embodying, um, the vibrations. David G, you are the man first and foremost. Thank you for being here. Um, I want to ask you, you said a lot about having numerous journeys along the way. I'd like to know what and where in those journeys would you perceive to be your lowest point or your rock bottom and tell us what that was like. Um, I've definitely have, you know, I think we all have defining moments in, in our life and, you know, whatever we do in that moment becomes the fabric of our life. Um, there was a bunch of years where I was working on the 82nd floor, um, in tower two of the world trade center. And, um, during that period of time, uh, I really wasn't liking what I was doing. I really wasn't. I wasn't doing what my heart wanted uh, me to do. I had stopped meditating. I had started meditating in college, you know, started doing, it was an experimental Asian studies course. And um, I was in that class. There were 12 of us. We sat in a circle and um, we were instructed that when we had a thought come into our head, we were supposed to raise our hands in the corner. Our Zen master stood um, uh, in his hands, he carried an 18-inch bamboo stick known as a kezaku. And when uh, we raised our hands, he would come over and thwack us on the back. So I only lasted in that school of meditation um, a few weeks. Um, and I got on and off meditation um, over the years. But sometimes for years, I was meditating every single day. But as I got more deeply involved in the corporate world, uh, that stuff slipped away. And at a certain point, I had traded in my morning uh, meditation routine, a routine for an early morning train ride to the World Trade Center. And I had traded in my evening meditation routine for a glass of scotch. And like that, meditation was gone for my life. But also what was gone was balanced. And, um, you know, then 9-11 unfolded. And uh, just a few months before then, um, I left the World Trade Center. So here I am combination survivor's guilt and lots of important work to be done. Um, but it was really in the, in the, um, I was feeling so, so empty after 9-11. Uh, people I knew had been killed. The world as I knew it was stood on its head. 
um, you know, that's really what trauma is. It's when your entire worldview is turned upside down and just things just don't make sense. And so in the wake of 9-11, I was walking past a row of cardboard boxes in Southern Manhattan that people were living in. And I walked past this particular box and this guy grabs my pant leg, pulls me into his box. We're like inches away from each other. I'm, I'm gazing into his like crystalline blue eyes. And he says, what's going to be on your tombstone? And it was like one of, I call these butterfly moments where suddenly everything stops. The traffic stopped, the people stopped. Every single aspect of, of the world shut down. It was just me and him and perhaps... I don't know, is this God speaking through this person or this person speaking to me? And then we, we, we stayed in this, this gaze lock for what seemed like hours. It was probably just a, a minute or two. And um, then he started actually, you know, asking me, you know, I reached into my pocket to give him a few bucks. I figured this is what this is about. And he put his hand and pinned my hand in my pocket and said, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. Um, you have sacred powers. And that, I was like, what, what, what? And, um, you know, the money dropped to the floor. I staggered away, tears streaming down my face. My, I was hyperventilating. My heart was pounding. My knees were weak. I staggered over just like 20 feet to this apartment building and sat on its steps. And like this whole thing, it was like everything in my life, it suddenly come to that second. And, you know, I'm asking myself like, what is going to be on my tombstone? Why am I here? What have I been brought here to do? And what are these sacred powers resting inside of me? Um, and again, not that I have some like divine powers. Uh, I believe we all have these. Yeah, I wrote a book called Sacred Powers, um, you know, based on that. Uh, there are these magnificent superpowers that re are resting inside of us, perhaps dormant, um, that we can awaken through various practices and paying attention and things along those lines. Um, but um, that was like the, the jumping off point. Um, I, I quit my job. I <laughs> threw everything in. I went on my own little eat, pray, love journey without the, without the eating and the love. <laughs> Just a lot of prayer. <laughs> Headed off to India, of course. Um, you know, in search of the guru, in search of answers, in search of meaning, went to the northern India Dharamsala to visit His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. He wasn't there that day. Um, you know, traveled away to the south. I was bathing in the Ganges and practicing yoga and meditating and going to the temples and praying and trying to find, like, the depth of answers. And then, like, one day I was, it was about six months. I had, like, a, a six-month visa. And it was, like, five months and 28 days. And I'm laying in a, in a hammock in a cashew forest in Kerala, southern India. And these parrots are squawking, and I'm reading the Bhagavad Gita, this ancient, this ancient book, the original conversations with God type of thing. And suddenly I read this, this one line, and it, like, Blew, blew my mind. Um, and it's, uh, it's chapter two, verse 48, Yoga Stakuru Karmani, how, you know, the, the great warrior Arjun is talking to God and he's like, how am I supposed to live my life? How am I supposed to walk through the world? And, and God replies, Yoga Stakuru Karmani, establish yourself in the present moment, moment 
and then perform action. So like get still and then be brilliant. And that was like, that was like my, my, my biggest aha moment and, you know, following, you know, extreme, extreme pain that was percolating inside of me. What was the, what was the process like with getting more comfortable and uh, welcoming the stillness? Because I'm sure as somebody that's riding a train to work and, you know, trying to transition into finding answers, somebody like me that's fresh out of rehab or, you know, it's tough for us to develop that desire to be still because the world is teaching us to go, 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 to achieve, to obtain. Like, what is what was your journey like from there, from hearing that line to developing stillness as being one of the most sacred spaces in your life? Yeah, well, you're so right, Darren, because, you know, I'm from New York. We're high achievers. We're control freaks. Um, you know, we're elbowing people out of the way to get to wherever, we're, whatever we're trying to accomplish um, in that moment. And so um, we are not taught that who we really are is stillness and silence. But that's who we really are. We are the space between. We are the space between our breaths. We're the space between our heartbeats. We're the space between our words. We're the space between our actions. Um, and so, you know, even, even watching football, you know, the, when you're on the line waiting for the snap, you know, there's like that moment of just stillness. And then all the action takes off. And even if we're not in the NFL, we're all practicing that on a daily basis where we can be. We're always better coming from stillness as opposed to knee jerk. Um, so I believe that since that's who we are, the space between, cultivating that through meditation, through being in nature, uh, through being joyful, through forgiveness, through in deep introspection, we can actually connect to that space and recognize that's who we truly are. And then we have a choice. Would I like to cultivate that? Would I like to expand that in my life? And, you know, not everyone chooses that. Most people roll their eyes and say, oh, that's, that's woo-woo gibberish, not really adding value. Um, but we know that that's sort of like the key. It's that millisecond right before the action. And, you know, I think that if we're willing to give ourselves just a shot, you know, to do that, um, you know, the, the, that same line that, that says, you know, establish yourself in the present moment, you know, right before that, it says we have total control over our own actions and no control over the fruit of those actions. And we spend so much time in the fruit, you know, they're like, what happens after, you know, if I do my thing. And so, um, so often we're like living for the fruit and we're not being fully present. And I think when we suddenly experience just a flicker of it here or there, like, oh, I got still. And then I listened a little more and I actually heard something. I usually would have cut that person off and said what I needed to say. Um, or I was just a little more receptive to this idea that I otherwise wouldn't agree with. And so, you know, the, the teaching is, you know, if we can perform our work, our duty, and I believe Donnie and, and Darren and, and, and everyone listening, you know, we're here for a particular action. We're, we're here to do something. We're not randomly here. We are here for a purpose. You want to call it a divine purpose or a noble purpose, but we're here 
to deliver the goods right now, to make something matter right now. We transform the world by transforming ourselves. So this all stems from inside. This is like get established within yourself, you know, and go and go inside. And the only path to our trauma and releasing it, the only path to our addictions and transcending them, the only path to all of this, you know, the wound is the way. And so we've got to go into this place and allow. And that place is the stillness and silence that rests within. That is truly who we are. And a lot of people would debate that, but I believe, you know, we can cultivate it just so easily, you know, um, just by taking a breath, just by giving ourselves permission to take a breath, um, by practicing. There's a whole bunch of techniques. I know it doesn't make for great podcast or, or great radio, but let's just do this right now. Think about something that's been bothering you or disturbing you just over the past couple of days. Don't go too deep. This isn't therapy, but just, you know, someone said they were going to do something. They didn't. Something was supposed to happen a certain way. It didn't. And get clear on that. And now close your eyes and through your nose, take a long, slow, deep breath in and watch that breath as it goes down deep into your belly. And when it gets there, just hold it, just watch it and hold it. Just witness it and hold it. And now release it. Observe it as it moves up your chest, through your throat, out through your nose or mouth. Keep exhaling. Keep witnessing. Keep watching. Keep observing it. Just allow that breath to dissipate into the ether. And now open your eyes and breathe normally. And that was about 16 seconds. And in those 16 seconds, if you're playing along, I don't know if you're playing along, but if you were playing along, you weren't thinking about that thing that I just asked you to think about. And so imagine in just 16 seconds, we can adjust the direction of where our attention is. And we can probably do it in even less, but we all, you know, that's what we, we've proven three things. One, we can direct our attention anywhere. We don't have to be stuck in, in our pain. We don't have to be stuck in our sadness. Um, everybody needs to visit the land of hurts and wounds, but nobody needs to live there. I say rent, don't buy. Um, and interest rates are too high anyway now. Um, so, um, so that's one thing. The second thing is we just introduced a pattern interrupt, you know, a time in, a break in the action. From what was happening to our next thought. And the third thing is, it's one of the secrets of meditation. We just cultivated an object of attention. For those 16 seconds, the object of our attention was just watching our breath. And so just in that simple action, it brings all of our um, hormones and chemicals that are balancing into play. And it sort of like settles down adrenaline, cortisol, glucagon, all that other stuff that, that fires us up. So just with something as simple as, as 16 seconds, so you do it four times, it's a minute, do it 20 times, it's five minutes. You could have like an entire present moment practice just built on something as simple as that. There's a lot there. Um, going back to the, we are the space between, I, I can't help but think about the most important thing we'll ever know is like how we feel about ourselves when we're by ourselves. And when you say that, that's kind of the space in between. Or if I think about the pandemic, and that space, to me, that felt like one long-ass meditation where all the doing stopped and a lot of people struggled 
during those times, but you're saying that's, that's who we are, the space in between. And it's, and it's why probably people struggle to meditate or they resist it because when the doing stops, are they comfortable in their own skin? Do they, do they like the person they are beyond the, the labels and the roles and oftentimes hiding in work or hiding in their relationships? So it's really powerful. I've heard you say that before, but it just landed so different for me this time. And it's given me a better understanding of why many people struggle in, in the non-doing um, or in the pause. But there's power in the pause for sure. Yeah. And, you know, our devices don't help. You know, if there's like four seconds that we could sneak away from ourselves, you know, you know, suddenly something ends, whatever it is. And we've got like four seconds or 10 seconds. We're like, uh, let me, let me check social media. You know, let me see if anyone texted me. Let me, let me check a, you know, a voicemail or an email or, or how many likes I got or like any of that stuff. And, you know, it's, it's harder, you know, it's become harder and harder to spend time with yourself, even if you want to spend time with yourself. But if you know that that's the path to liberation, to, to emotional freedom, how do you not go there? How do you not, you know, if you know that that's the path to the better expression of yourself, not that you're not great when you're in, in action, but if you can get still before the action, you know, it's like pulling back the bow. You know, if you just pull it back a little bit or you don't pull it back, little then the arrow just falls down. If you really pull back that bow, then it launches. And I think that's, you know, the perfect metaphor for like everything that we're doing in our life. You know, get still first and then be brilliant. Take a breath and then speak. You know, take a breath and listen and allow, allow someone else's words to land. But you're right, Donnie, you know, if we don't want to be with ourselves, you know, for alone, for 10 minutes, who else wants to be with us? That's a great point. Even that pause, my new practice has been when I hit a yellow or red light to uh, not grab the phone in that space in between where I think for so long, even me as a quote teacher of these practices still struggles with that. So my new practice the last couple of months has been that pause when I'm driving to not grab my phone when the the, the light's red, which Still tempting, doing okay so far though. We need to keep you in cars more. <laughs> <laughs> David G, what was the shift from uh, acquiring this knowledge, acquiring wisdom, and then wanting to teach and share? Um, well, that's really funny because you know I'm from New I'm from Queens, I'm from New York, so. We don't care about anyone else's meditation. Um, was, you know, people were like, dude, you have all this wisdom now, share it. And I'm like, ah, oh, God, really? I have to think about someone else's meditation? Um, so uh, that was not my intention. I did not get on the, on the path to, um, to go deeper into this so I could share it with others. Um, friends of mine, after I came back from India, they were like, dude, all you do is sit around and meditate. And I was like, yeah, I know. Isn't that amazing? And they're like, nah, you need to like, you need to share it with other people. And I was like, mm, that's not really my thing. And they said, well, if you really want to learn something, learn it from the inside out, become a teacher. You know? And I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll try that. And so I went on this teacher's path. Um, I actually went to a workshop. At the time, Deepak Chopra had a, had a center in um, Southern California, in, in, in Carlsbad, San Diego. And uh, so I went to this workshop 
And I had been in business for many, many years before that. And I go to this workshop. I figured there's going to be like a thousand people there and there's 30 of us. And I was like, what's going on here? Um, and that's the work that I was in. I was, you know, you know, mergers and acquisitions, turning around companies. And so, you know, we all got to introduce ourselves at this workshop on the first day. And um, while I was meditating, I think like on the third day, um, Deepak approached me and said, you know, we got, you know, our CFO is here. Uh, would you, would you consider working for us? And I was like, well, yeah, sure. I'm not, I'm not really doing anything else. I would love to. And um, I said, but, you know, I came here to get certified to be a meditation teacher. So if you could just like step back from the business for a minute and just allow me to become that. And so um, I started off being the COO and then became the lead educator because once I got certified, I was teaching every single day and then ultimately became the Dean of Chopra Center University. And like, so for like a decade, all I did was study and teach every single day, traveling the world, you know, teaching, you know, a lot of this timeless wisdom. And the hilarity was after I've been doing that for like a month, I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. How do I not share this with others? So mm -hmm. I went from like totally the most selfish, you know, possible person in the world to this stuff is bursting inside of me. I'm, I'm so passionate about like, you know, when you see like a really great movie or you read a really great book or, you know, so it's like, oh, 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 check this out. And so that's, that's what happened with me. Um, I was finding such, my life was just accelerating and shifting. And um, as I got deeper and deeper into nothingness, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. And like, I wanted to share that with other people. I wanted to share the fact that I'm making better decisions because of my meditation. Uh, the world is coming at me in slower motion because of my meditation. It's like all these benefits that I would never have anticipated. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so restored when I wake up in the morning, I have such energy, you know, it's like all these, I mean, we know the physiological benefits of meditation. They are, you know, they're carved in stone, they're real. And there's a whole bunch of emotional benefits as well, um, such as forgiving other people or not holding grudges or, or, or being grateful in life, um, or about, um, uh, just, you know, um, choosing a peaceful moment over being right, you know, at, at your funeral, no one's gonna say, oh, and he was right so often, you know, like that, that's, that's so overrated. And so connecting to stillness and silence really allows you to suddenly realize, oh, um, there's something deeper here that I wasn't taught in school. No coach or trainer or teacher ever actually taught me about, you know, the space between um, or about the stillness and silence that rests within or about who I truly was at my core. Um, and I believe that's really what spirituality is. Spirituality is, um, it's not religion. Um, spirituality is, you know, your understanding that there's something so much bigger than you in some way. And it's your journey to that on a daily basis. So maybe it's your best version. Maybe it's Jesus. Maybe it's God. Maybe, you know, pick, pick your deity, or maybe it's just you at your best expression. And that's what spirituality is. It's a journey that we take to our highest expression on a daily basis. And it's not a one-way trip. When we touch that magnificence, we're like, oh, 
I'm freaking awesome. And we can take a, you know, a tweezer full of that or, or a, a thimble full of that back into our lives. And, and, and that's really heaven on earth. You know, it's taking the best of us and bringing it back into this moment and then living that. And then again, moving towards the best expression of us. Spending time in stillness and silence really allows you to um, be a little more reflective and a little less reflexive, you know, being a little more thoughtful, a little more mindful, a little less mindless. I've heard you mention how to be a great teacher, you need to be able to listen, but how do you correlate the two and how has meditation made you a better listener? Well, I've heard you guys on one of your podcasts talking about that prayer is talking to God and meditation is listening. And so, you know, we're, we're a society, we're a culture where we're hoping, we're praying, we're wishing, you know, there's a lot of stuff going out there. Like, let me not get COVID. Let me again, <laughs> let me, let me, um, let me get this thing done. Right. Let me, you know, please, you know, heal that person or, you know, change things, you know, we're negotiating, we're in like constant negotiations, um, with the divine. And, you know, I think that nobody spends enough time listening to anything. I mean, think about it. Think about, it. I don't know. I'm, I don't know what, you know, when you get in your car, Donnie, but you know, most people, it's just a couple of seconds till they get in the car and then turn on serious or, or, or turn on, you know, the radio or, or, or pop some music on. Um, there's like sacred space in, in our cars. Uh, there's sacred space in the subways. If you can just like pop your, pop your AirPods in and then just like meditate. Um, we're not really, we're, we are internally, um, capable of it, but it's not really reinforced in our society. And so if we have to be the, the ones who do that, we have to be the ones who say, well, I'm in activity. 24 hours a day, maybe I could take five minutes and just breathe in, let and breathe out, go and do that for five minutes a day. Since I'm ingesting all this energy and taking stuff personally and getting riled up and getting righteous and getting pissed off and getting frustrated. And like, maybe I could have like a five minute let go meditation. So something as intentional as that can be transformational. No one's doing that. You know, well, meditators are doing that, <laughs> but not people who don't meditate. So you can like heal your heart as you also, you know, clear your mind as you also gain just a little bit more like crystallized thought. Why wouldn't we do that? If there was a pill, we would all be taking the pill. And so, okay, so it takes a little more effort than the pill. You know, if there was a pill that would like guarantee you great sleep, make you a little more patient, enhance your relationships, um, enhance your relationship with yourself and your higher power uh, and anyone that you happen to be living with. Um, increase your performance, no matter what you're doing in life. Um, make you a little um, more humble and uh, courageous. Like who, who wouldn't be taking that pill? We'd all be taking that. So I think we have an opportunity to um, really take our lives to the next level just by dipping our toe in, just dipping our toe into the space between the stillness and silence that rests within. 
And I think if you can just do it, I don't think anyone felt worse doing our 16 seconds together. And so if you can just do that realistically with, I don't know, every single day, everyone's got 16 seconds. Everyone actually has probably 20 minutes. You know, the, His Holiness, the Dalai Lama says, if you don't think you have 20 minutes a day to be in meditation, you need to meditate for 40 minutes. So, <laughs> so we have opportunities throughout the course of the day, instead of just picking up the device, just like, I'll pick it up in a minute. It's okay. The world won't end. If I just close my eyes, take a few deep breaths and then come back in. You know, science says that we're not really great after 45 minutes. Everybody needs a reboot, a mental clarity reboot at the 45 minute mark. And most of us aren't doing that. We're just like staring at the Zoom or staring at our computers or staring at our devices for like 10 hours and then we pass out. But, you know, the reality is that it's not so hard for us. And so many meditations, guided meditations are on our devices. So all you need to do is like, okay, you know, go to like Insight Timer or go to, you know, there's so many unplugged meditations, so many apps, meditation apps, and you can still be connected to your device, but instead you're listening to someone guide you into stillness and silence. So how do you resist that? Why would you resist that? Well, it's like, very common response for me is when people are resisting meditation is that they don't have time, but meditation actually gives you more time back because you're not then wasting time on things you can't control. So if you're meditating, you're cultivating more awareness and you start to, you start to become more aware of the things you can control and you can let go of the things you can. And ultimately it gives you more time, energy and space. So it's like this story of our mind saying, I don't have time is the exact reason why we need to make time to do it. But it's a hook. It's tricky. Yeah, it's tricky. You have to commit to it and you have to ritualize it. You know, both of you guys, you know, athletes, you know, the ritual, you know, the drill, you know, you show up and you do these things and you get stronger and you get better and you hone your craft. And I think, you know, that's part of the deal also when it comes to um, meditation, you know, our ability to hone our craft. And that's like, a, you know, let's hone our ability to connect to the stillness and silence that rests within. How about if we like did that? What would that, you know, what would that feel like if we just connected to a little bit of stillness? Because that's the secret. If I could start my day every single day with a little bit of stillness and silence, as you guys do, and then everything we encounter throughout the course of the day becomes infused with a little bit of stillness and silence. Someone's going to push your button. Someone's going to, you know, at some point you're going to take something personally. Uh, at some point you're going to have a regret or a grievance. Well, imagine if you had just a little bit of stillness inside of you to sort of like act as like a buffer to that. And so that it wouldn't be, you know, this type of, it wouldn't weigh on you. It would actually be more of a, you know, a liberation. And like I said, it's true. If you meditate, the world comes at you in slower motion. Who doesn't want that? It's a mutant superpower. How do we not, how do we not embrace that one? Um, you know, if we could, you know, we can't necessarily hear what other people are thinking, but we can definitely move through the world at the same pace we want, but everything's coming at us just a little bit more slowly. 
And, you know, it's a lot of stuff going on. And I've said when the, when the pandemic first hit us in like March of 2020, and suddenly we entered a period of low tide, you know, high tide is when you're bopping along and you're floating along and you can't even see, you know, below the surface, but low tide, suddenly the tide comes down. All the sharp aspects of life are revealed. All those really, really scary and sharp edges are revealed. And, you know, in relationships and health and society and in culture and in, you know, our, our racial um, challenges, like all that stuff, we're still there. We're still at low tide. So this requires people who are willing to step up. This requires people who are willing to like, not just yell at each other, but perhaps transform themselves a little bit. And then that's how the world outside of us gets shifted. And so I believe we have a responsibility to be our best expression, certainly during low tide. And oh, by the way, I don't see it ending, you know, like in, in, in a week or so. I, we're probably in the decade of low tide right now. And so how about figure out what are these nourishing things that we can do to ourselves to prevent burnout, to prevent us being a-holes, uh, to, to allow us to be our best expression, and to sort of like step beyond whatever vision we thought we might have had of, of who we are really into this more magnificent um, expression. Yeah, the, I like what you said about the vision of who we are because a lot of what we're taught and kind of hardwired into our brains as human beings is like uh, we're taught to seek comfort. We're taught to seek uh, pleasure and uh, the easiest route possible, the path with the least amount of resistance. And, you know, the, I feel like the theme of this conversation here today is it just requires you to get a little bit uncomfortable to take a step towards that fear or that insecurity because on the other side of it is something that you can't even comprehend right now. That's the case for me. I know that's the case for Donnie. I know that's the case for you. But as human beings, it's like we're so we're so taught to it's, – it's sold to us on TV, on ads, on social media, like comfort, pleasure. We find our space, and we want to just stick to it and not really try anything else. But if we just had a little bit of a willingness to step into something that's uncomfortable, most human beings don't understand how much of an investment that is to continue to choose discomfort on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, what, what would you say to somebody that is having a hard time, like putting that into their mind and just really just taking that action? It's brilliant, Darren. You know, there's a, there's a Joseph Campbell line, you know, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek, mm. you know? And so we're, we're like, I don't know, I don't want to go in there, but that's where the, Ooh. that's where the, this, that's where the richness of life is resting, you know, on the other side of your comfort zone. Um, you know, we have the opportunity, both of you guys have sort of like had like new beginnings, rebirths, you know, of your life. You're, you're like these powerful archetypes of, you know, yeah, let me, let me see if I can shed what doesn't serve me and let me step into the unknown, but that's where the richness is. Let me step out of the stale. There's no richness there. It's like same old, same old. Um, so if you want to experience a beauty of life that you never even envisioned could exist, you got to take that step. And you can take small steps. It's okay. Baby steps. 
Um, you don't have to like start with a 30 minute meditation practice. You don't have to suddenly like burst into the room <laughs> that you've been afraid to enter and like, I'm here, um, you know, maybe make an appointment um, or, you know, maybe dip your toe in. But I believe that if we don't dip our toe in, we can't know is the water cold or not. If we don't put ourselves out there and risk and trust, it's all about risking and trusting, then how could we ever find out? Now, I know that there's magnificence that's greater than this moment for me and for you. And you guys have demonstrated it. You're the, you're the, you're, you're the real world visible example of people reinventing themselves, rebranding themselves, you know, stepping beyond whatever could seem comfortable. But, you know, we all want to hold on to that familiar suck. <laughs> It's like, it's so familiar. I know it sucks, but it's so familiar. It's so comfortable. We're afraid to step into the unfamiliar, the unknown. Um, but it doesn't suck. It's beyond suck. It transcends suck. So uh, I know that's probably not a very articulate, um, compelling uh, argument for people to step in. But, you know, if you don't like the way your life is going right now, guess what? You get to make a more conscious choice. And maybe there's stuff in your past, you know, that you did that was just like, no, you don't understand. You know, I, I, my life, you know, is just so horrible. The things I've done, it's like, you know, you get to step forward. You get to give yourself permission to step into the now. And if we, we can live in the past as victims, we can step into the now and really set this new trajectory, this new platform for a whole new magnificent world. You think you'll never love again? Guess what? The love you'll find on the other side of this is so much far beyond what you ever thought you could have or were deserving of. You don't think you can succeed again because you failed and fallen down 50 times. What do they say about like Thomas Edison, 14,000 attempts at the <laughs> incandescent light bulb? You know, what do they say about, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, only, you know, missed 70% of his shots, um, you know, loser, um, you know, so suddenly we start to look at, you know, is if you can just get back up wherever you are, you know, Wayne Dyer has this line, even if you're lying in the gutter, you could still see the stars, you know, you can just get Ooh. back up, right? That's what perseverance is, you know, that's, 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 that's what resilience is. It's not being bulletproof. It's getting back up. It's getting back up and being able to say, you know what? Thanks for that horrible experience. I learned a lot from it. I learned, and maybe 12th time is a charm, but I learned that I can step into my power. And will it be scary? Yes. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think it was, was it Walt Whitman said, like, the person who's brave is the same exact person as you. They're just brave for five seconds longer. Mm. <laughs> so you don't have to suddenly, like, just be out there. Um, just trust. Just trust that, that whatever has gotten you to this moment will get you to the next moment. But you have to be willing to take the step. You know, there's this great, you know, Bruce Lee has, has said so many things about water. There's so many like Bruce, Bruce Lee water memes out there. But like, there's like, you know, there's a great one that um, they all start with something like be like water be like water making its way through the cracks. Um, do not be assertive, but adjust 
to the object and you shall find a way around it or through it. If nothing within you stays rigid, outward things will disclose themselves. Mm. And that's all about getting still and silent and then letting the universe unfold to you. And they're like, oh, here's how it is now. <clears throat> Let me take that step. I feel like we'd be doing our listeners a disservice if we didn't go round two on this. Would you be willing? We've never really done this <laughs> yeah. and come back and done back-to-back -back episodes, but there's so much more that we didn't get to, questions I wouldn't. I want to ask, and you have so much more depth. Would you be down to maybe jump back on with us next week and go round two? Because there's, there's so much here. And, yeah. Man. Yes. Yeah. I love hanging out with you guys. Well, we love hanging out with you. We'll tell you what, you're going you're gonna to have to come back next week and uh, get round two of David G's wisdom because it's, it's profound. Well, All right, so we're going to honor for me, guys. Yeah, we're going to leave it right there. Appreciate you, David G, man. Look for David G next week also. Yes, sir. We're out. Peace. What's up, Comeback Stories family? It's Donnie dropping in here. So did you know that Darren and I's relationship started by me being his personal development, mindfulness, and mindset coach? I want to let you know about both my one-on-one -on -one coaching program, The Shift, and my group mastermind, Elevate Your Purpose. These coaching programs are specifically designed for people who are ready to take the next step in their purpose and level up their career, personal finances, and have more connected, deep, and meaningful relationships. My gift and part of my purpose is to help others take that next step in leveling up their lives so that they can have a greater impact on the lives of others, create success that's sustainable yet evolves and grows, and help build a legacy that will outlive your life. If this is calling you, just go to DonnieStarkins.com and apply for either one of my programs. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.